Welcome to the QI chat room. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transitioned to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. Hi, listeners. Thanks for joining us today. We want to start off by recognizing that these are challenging times we live in. The COVID-19 pandemic is affecting all American lives, especially those that work in our healthcare system. We're here today to talk about current COVID legislation in Sacramento as it relates to health centers, and then we'll transition to talk about general state policy priorities. Bethany Schneider, RCHC's advocacy consultant, is here with us, along with Victor Christie, who is the Assistant Director of Legislative Affairs at California Health Plus Advocates, to discuss these issues. Here's Bethany to get us started. Thanks so much, thanks so much, Kelly. It's so great to be here. We know that it's a crazy time right now, and so we're just thankful that everyone could um, stop by and listen to this important discussion. Um, there are many things um, legislatively that deal with the current pandemic and then also some of our regular priorities, I guess, as we'll call them. So glad you're here to learn about them. So like Kelly said, we're here with our um, with Victor. He went from one of our state partners, the California Health Plus Advocates. Victor is one of our lobbyists who works with our state elected officials to pass our state um, policy priorities. And I just want to give you a quick overview of how RCHC works with CPCA and California Health Plus Advocates and some of the other consortia. So as you may know, California is broken up into um, different consortia around um, the state and RCHC um, represents four various counties. And each, most of the um, consortia, which are called regional area consortia, we also call them RACs, have a lead policy person. And so I serve that function for RCHC. And so we are in close, all these lead policy people are in close contact with California Health Plus advocates um, to work with them on um, where our bills are, getting you to contact our legislators, getting our legislators the kind of information they need, et cetera. So that's how we are organized. And um, we're currently living in some unprecedented times, um, as you know, and it's an unprecedented legislative session. The legislature in Sacramento actually has suspended its work until April 13th. And that we are thinking this might actually last longer. Since the recording of the podcast, the recess has been extended until May 4th, which could change again. Before we get into this year's priorities, we're going to start with an update on some of the 
budget and legislative items relating to COVID-19. Victor, can you provide us um, first with, tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your work, and then if we can jump right into some of those current um, topics, that'd be great. Great, thank you, Bethany, and thank you everyone for uh, giving me the opportunity to uh, speak to you today. Um, this uh, hits close to home, uh, this group or your group, because uh, I grew up in Sonoma County, uh, right next to uh, Sonoma State University. So I'm here amongst uh, my friends and neighbors. Uh, but, uh, but thank you again for this opportunity. Uh, as Bethany mentioned, uh, I am with California Health Plus Advocates. We are the advocacy arm of the California Primary Care Association, representing community health centers uh, from across the state. Uh, that equals 1,370 individual health center sites uh, serving up to 7.2 million patients. Um, so as Bethany noted, the legislature acted to recess until April 13th. Um, really essentially moving up their spring break, and this is really unprecedented. Um, but before the legislature recessed, uh, both houses, the State Assembly and the State Senate, uh, convened to waive specific constitutional rules to allow the legislature to pass emergency legislation and budget appropriations. So I just want to highlight two of the bills that the legislature passed on their final day before they recessed. Um, and that was Senate Bill 89, which amends the Budget Act of 2019-2020. So that's the current budget year that we're in. Uh, and that would appropriate $500 million from the general fund to be used for the purpose relating to the governor's March 4th declaration of emergency. Uh, the bill also authorizes expenditures up to $1 billion subject to notification to the Joint Legislative Budget Committee chair. Uh, the bill also appropriates $84 million uh, for tree removal and cleanup of the campfire. So the governor, uh, Governor Newsom, has a vision for that first $500 million, and he's already begun to appropriate those dollars, uh, including $150 million going to homeless housing services. Uh, so many of you, um, if you're listening into the news, you may know that uh, the governor is looking uh, to purchase hotels right now across the state, um, including in San Francisco and LA, uh, to house the homeless populations there. So, um, so that $150 million will be going uh, to that effort. Um, we're also looking into how we can position ourselves into getting these resources, uh, even uh, acknowledging that his priority is to fund the nearly a dozen executive orders they have put in place. So we're looking to see how we might be able to uh, tap into that $500 million. Uh, the second bill that was uh, passed on the last day of session before they recessed was Senate Bill 117, which provides continu uh, continuation of average daily attendance funding for schools. And it uh, also waives the instructional time requirements to allow funding to continue, waives testing timelines and special education timelines, and finally it appropriates $100 million for cleaning of schools. You know, we're glad that obviously California is taking steps um, to provide these additional resources. So what are you hearing from lawmakers, specifically as it relates to health centers? Do they need more information? Are they hearing from our health centers? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so actually, I just want to start by highlighting um, one of our legislative champions uh, in Sacramento, and that's your very own Assemblymember Cecilia Aguiar-Curry. Um, and I just want to highlight and we really um, commend her for her leadership. On the last day of session, amongst all the scrambling and, and trying to figure out, you know, how the legislature um, 
would have the ability to adjourn early, she took the initiative to submit a letter uh, and pass it around her colleagues, uh, garnering 51 signatures, urging the state to move forward on greater telehealth allowances and activating telephonic care. Um, and this is in direct um, uh, correlation with her Assembly Bill 1494 relating to declared emergencies that was signed into law by the governor last year. So, uh, you know, she really took it upon herself to lead that effort on behalf of community health centers and we're really grateful and excited uh, that she was able to do that. Um, so I um, also want to add that we've been especially pleased to hear a heightened level of support coming from our elected officials on the need to sustain health centers ability to provide care, especially during these critical times. In fact, I heard from one health center uh, where their member of Congress specifically reached out to see if they had enough personal protective equipment at hand and if they needed assistance in gathering more. Uh, I would always encourage health center leaders to continuously reach out to elected officials and share on the ground information with them so they gain a perspective on the challenges facing health centers. I would also encourage everyone to be posting stories on their social media and tagging their elected officials as appropriate. Now, in terms of contacting your elected officials and our staff, I would encourage you all to use email as a way to share information. And if you are a key contact with your elected official and have their cell phone, I would say now is the time to be engaging with them. Uh, picking up the phone and providing a health center update to your electeds uh, and their staff is really um, a key right now. We've been hearing a lot of success stories uh, around this. So for example, if, if you're close to Jim Wood, send them an email, text them, give them a call, and let them know um, the experiences that you're having uh, in relation to dealing with this pandemic. Uh, now at the association, we've been taking uh, serious the notion of updating our electeds. In fact, uh, we've begun to provide written updates to capital staff, and we'll be doing that on a weekly basis. Um, and then finally, uh, if you're a key contact for any of your elected officials, uh, so whether it be Mark Levine, Jim Wood, uh, Senator McGuire, Huffman, Thompson, Aguiar Curry, Dodd, um, please expect to hear from me over the next few weeks as we continue to engage uh, our elected officials. Thanks, Victor. That's great. I just want to let fit folks know if this is the first time you're hearing the term key contact. Those are people, typically health center leaders, that have been designated um, for each, you know, each member of Congress or each legislator. So we have specific key contacts that have maybe a close relationship with their legislator, have built that relationship. And so again, they may have their cell phone number, a personal um, connection to the lawmaker, but just have that, have that, they have that closer relationship so then we can use that and call on that when we need to like in situations like that. Um, for our regular health center members, um, we often send out action alerts that asks, um, we've sent those out over the past week around funding, federal funding. And so those are ways that our health center staff and community members can get engaged as well. So now we're going to pivot to um, our state priorities. And I'm gonna, first I'm just gonna review some of our state priorities that we've been working on. So when we talk about sponsored legislation, that is legislation that the California Primary Care Association, along with RCHC and our other um, community health center partners are advancing or sponsoring or really we're um, taking the lead on making sure these get through the legislative process. So our sponsored bills are our main priorities. They're the ones that we um, are really prioritizing and we're gonna spend a lot of time and resources on passing. And so three of our um, sponsored 
our sponsored bills this year, and some of them will sound familiar because often it doesn't, you know, it takes more than one year to pass a bill, is called SB 66. And this is the same day visits bill. This is a bill that we've been working on for many years that addresses um, the lack of being able to bill for a mental health visit on the same day as a medical appointment. And so we refer to it as the same day visits bill. And um, so that is being sponsored by At Senator Atkins, who's one of our senators. And so um, he's leading the, that effort. And so we will be um, talking more about that in a minute. The second bill is new to us and it's called AB 2007. So yeah, expanding access to health, to care through telehealth. And it's a virtual dental home bill that we are working on with the Children's Partnership. And then the last bill is AB 2644 um, by Assemblymember Wood. And this is building off of a bill that was vetoed last year about streamlining expansion of primary care facilities. And this is a priority for RCHC. So I'm going to give um, Victor some time to kind of dig into these a little bit to tell us where they're at. Um, and then we'll talk about what's going on at the Capitol over the next few weeks and months. Well, as um, both Bethany and I um, had started off the call, we are really sitting in an unknown area right now, especially not knowing if and when the legislature will return. So although these three bills are our sponsor bills, they're our highest priority, um, they are not moving currently in the legislative process. Uh, we hope they do, uh, but we're really, really kind of on a, on a hold um, position as, as it comes to moving them through the process. Um, but just briefly, uh, I want to talk about each bill. So Senate Bill 66, uh, relating to same-day visits by Senator Tony Atkins. She's the Senate President Pro Tem, so, so she's the leader of the Senate, and she's out of San Diego. She's co-authored along with Senator McGuire, uh, your very own senator right there in, um, in Northern California. And right now, uh, it's currently a two-year bill. Uh, which means that it was introduced in 2019. Um, and along the way, it paused in order for us to, um, to work on amendments as it relates to moving it forward. Uh, now, same-day visits, this is, I believe, our seventh iteration of the bill uh, throughout the past few years. Um, and we've been successful in getting it through the legislature, but it's always been uh, vetoed uh, by the governor, uh, citing cost concerns. Uh, and we're hoping that uh, with this, uh, with the work that we're, we're doing in the second year and working with the administration, that we're able to get it uh, past the finish line with a uh, gubernatorial signature. Uh, and we feel that this is really in line with uh, the governor's priorities, um, prioritizing uh, behavioral health. Um, and it's really, um, uh, this legislation uh, really allows for us to see a patient on the same day as their uh, physical visit and a behavioral health visit. So. Um, it's good policy and makes sense, and, and we're hoping uh, to get it past the finish line this year. So that's Senate Bill 66. Uh, the second bill is AB 2007, uh, Improving Access to Care Through Telehealth. And this is uh, by Assemblymember Rudy Salas. And Assemblymember Salas is from the Bakersfield um, area. And this relates to the virtual dental home. It allows for the establishment of a patient through store and forward technology. Uh, we've been working uh, in cooperation with the California Dental Association, Children Now, and Cal uh, Children's Partnership, uh, along with the assemblyman to move this forward. And just as an example of the, uh, legislation being put on hold, this bill was originally going to be heard on March 31st in the Assembly Health Committee. 
So it has not even uh, made its way through its first policy committee because of the uh, the legislative recess. The, sec uh, the, rather, the third bill is AB 2644 uh, by your very own assembly member, Jim Wood. And um, as Bethany um, mentioned, this is a priority not only for us, but uh, for you as well at RCHC. And it creates greater parameters for the clinic advisory committee and will ensure that building standards and licensing requirements are aligned to maximize the ability of community health centers to improve access to healthcare for all Californians. Um, and similar to AB 2007, this bill hasn't even been heard in its first policy committee hearing. Uh, it's scheduled to be heard on April 14th in the Assembly Health Committee, but really that's, that's up in the air right now. So those are our three bills that we are prioritizing this year, um, and, but uh, unfortunately are all on hold. Thanks, Victor. With the, with the um, legislature suspended right now, how have you heard through the grapevine? How are they going to be conducting business? Um, yeah, can you tell us just kind of what some of the rumors are or word on the street? Yeah, so um, just like every association interest group, we really are on hold until the legislature reconvenes. Uh, and we're hearing that um, they're not even sure that they'll be back by April 13th. Um, and there is some talk that um, that they might just come back to convene uh, specifically to um, to do their constitutional duty of passing a budget. But even that is uh, in play. Um, so there are no committee hearings taking place, and all bills are on hold as it relates to movement through the legislative cycle. Uh, I did see recently that uh, Assembly Member Phil Ting, the chair of the Budget Committee, and Senator um, Holly Mitchell, the chair of the Senate Budget Committee. Um, did hold a telephonic or rather a virtual um, informational hearing. So uh, I know that uh, legislators um, are looking at ways on how to use more uh, virtual technology. But right now, um, uh, all legislation is on hold. Thank you for that. That was a great legislative update. Now we're going to turn um, and spend a few minutes talking about the budget, which you just mentioned. So specifically, many of our health centers have been following the 340B pharmacy transition executive order. What is the update there and, some on our, and for some of our other budget priorities? At this point, we also received a question from a health center related to Bethany's question. The question for Victor was, do you have an update on 340B changes as it relates to the state's intent to create a single purchasing drug system? I'll address that right now, but I just want kind of want to paint a picture of what we just learned as of Tuesday. Uh, and this is breaking news. Uh, we became aware of a communication from the Department of Finance to all state agencies regarding the fiscal year 2021 budget. So this is the budget that's coming up. Of note, this communication strongly suggests that the Department of Finance is looking to move forward with what is defined as a quote unquote workload budget for the state. Now, a workload budget is a very trend budget that accounts for the budget year cost of currently authorized services, adjusted for changes in enrollment, caseload, population costs, expenses, and other factors. So really, this communication suggests that the Department of Finance is reevaluating any fiscal commitments outlined uh, through the governor's proposed budget, as well as reevaluating re all other proposed budget changes expected in the May revise sought by agencies elected and stakeholders such as ourselves. So we are currently tracking the situation closely um, as it relates to 340B, pharmacy transition, our workforce budget um, request as well. Um, 
but really, um, we're really going to see how this uh, memo is going to affect our ability to uh, to do meaningful change in the budget area. Um, now, before the pandemic, our top priority was uh, 340B, but we're now reevaluating to determine how we can impact the budget uh, to ad address COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so, in terms of 340B, um, it still remains our top priority, and we are encouraging folks to fill out the survey by March 31st. The survey is so important since we're still planning on doing advocacy on this issue when the legislature returns. So uh, Stephen and everyone, um, we're kind of on a, a pause right now, but we are gathering uh, the data and critical information from all of you by the 31st. That way, when the legislature reconvenes, we have the data available to share with them and we can continue our advocacy. Uh, but as, um, as the legislative process is concerned, that is um, uh, taking kind of a, a backseat to COVID-19 efforts. Could you just quickly um, let folks know um, what the governor had included in his budget before all this um, blew up, just to get people on the same page? So we were pleased that the governor had included $105 million uh, for health centers um, to kind of do a backfill of 340B. Um, now that was, uh, although that was a very positive signal from the governor, we're really excited about that. It is far less than the 150 million that we had anticipated. Uh, so that's why this survey is so critical uh, for us to show the administration, you know, where the, uh, how the change in 340B would impact our health centers and the financial cost to that. Um, so we were and continue to do advocacy in order to let the administration know that we need to get the numbers up to 150 million. Uh, but we are pleased that, um, that he did see, uh, show a commitment to health centers at the very least at $105 million. Uh, we're also trying to determine through a process how that money will be um, uh, allocated to the health centers, knowing that um, some health centers really relied on 340B savings um, uh, as opposed to others. I just want to briefly talk about our other budget ask, and that was a $250 million workforce budget ask. Um, now, in terms of the budget process pre um, the legislature uh, going on recess, we had to identify a, a legislative champion in the assembly in order for them to move our issue forward. So in terms of our 250 million uh, workforce budget ask, we were happy that assembly member Jim Wood uh, proactively came up to us and agreed to be the sponsor on our primary care and psychiatric residency um, portion of the uh, budget ask, as well as prime and community oriented regional education and primary care program. Additionally, Assemblymember Adam Gray from uh, the Central Valley will be the sponsor on the debt reduction and advanced practice portion of our budget uh, package. Um, so even with this crisis, we do have elected officials coming up to us about the importance of workforce and are hopeful this issue can still be advanced. Um, finally, we're working with uh, Assemblymember Jim Wood um, on, as well as with the California Optometric Association on the Vision Integration Project. Um, through the budget process. So that's kind of a recap of what we're looking at in the budget. Victor, this is Stephen um, from Alexander Valley Healthcare. I have a clarifying question on 340B. Uh, so yeah. if, I, if I understood you correctly, I get that things are on hold, but it sounded to me with the trim budget that you were describing that maybe we're expecting no change to 340B in the, in the immediate sense. So is it uh, fair to sort of read the tea leaves and say 
maybe this single purchasing will be delayed due to the coronavirus outbreak and to current budget situation? That might be the case. Um, yeah, that might be the case. Um, and I wish I could add more to that, but just everything's so fluid and well, actually really just on hold. Um, that why, that's why we're prioritizing this survey by the 31st when the legislature reconvenes. We're up and ready to, to continue our advocacy and, and really show the administration that we need uh, more than that initial $105 million. We didn't really touch on federal, but as you know, or I will repeat, the Senate passed a $2 trillion emergency stimulus pack funding package last night. The House is expected to vote on it on Friday, and then the president is expected to sign it soon after that. The House did leave for recess, and they um, need to all come back to vote for it. As you probably know, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act did pass and was signed by the president after this podcast recording. I would encourage everyone to keep a lookout for our Friday weekly update coming from California Health Plus Advocates. So that gives a recap of what our state and federal priorities are and where they are in the process. Uh, I'd also like to encourage folks to join me every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Me and the rest of the government affairs team at uh, California Health Plus Advocates, including our federal lobbyists, are on this call. We give an update on what's going on every week, and uh, we allow folks to ask questions during that call. Uh, It's really a great opportunity to hear the latest information. Um, And then finally, if you'd like to get more involved, please feel free to reach out to me directly, and I'd be happy to talk to you about uh, advocacy, any updates, and um, any other questions you might have. RCHC also has a Policy Pulse newsletter that goes out the first Thursday of every month where we recap their policy and advocacy priorities. So also um, encourage you to sign up for that, and you can on our website. We'd like to thank you again for joining us today, along with our presenters, for providing all that relevant information. We hope you and your families stay safe and healthy. Keep practicing social distancing and wash your hands. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room. Thank you.